Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Dan Snyder filling in for Jess. Just an update, Dan. You know it. Jesse's on his way back to America from the Holy Land. If I had over probably 200 phone calls, 200 texts for people asking about Jesse and his wife, Anita. Yeah, I think things are going to be back to normal tonight when they get back. So I thank you for all the prayers from everyone. Dan, thanks for filling in for Jess today. Of course. I'm not nearly as exciting, funny, (laughs) fun, uh, uh, insightful. But, uh, it's always a pleasure to, 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 to be with you, Terry, my good brother in Christ. And it's always, I'm glad everybody, a lot of people calling me as well, asking on Jesse. I'm like, oh, yeah. they, they got no, Hamas has got no chance. They better <laughs> hope that he gets on a plane and comes back. He doesn't stay over there. <laughs> you know what? I love it. So Dan, yeah. I want to just, before I talk about the show, I want to encourage people. You've been generous with us here. Uh, your book, from Tan Books, The Liberal Christo Method, which is a field manual for spiritual combat. You've signed these books, and anybody who gives a $100 donation to Virgin Most Powerful Radio can get a copy of that book. And I just want to say thanks, because you get no benefit from that other than knowing that you're supporting the mission of Virgin Most Powerful, which you obviously do on Wednesdays. And uh, we, we appreciate the partnership we've had for years with you folks. No, I appreciate it too, Terry. Um, really, this is this is a book um, mm-hmm. that that, uh, as I said from the beginning, I'm in this for for souls and not sales. Right. Um, my 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 inheritance is in heaven. Amen. Uh, and so I, I want to do what I can, just like you, to bring as many souls into the church yep. as possible to set souls free, to liberate those in bondage. This is the goal uh, of of anyone that's working the apostle, that the lay people that yeah. like us are out there working. So this is not a book of problems. I could write a book and tell you all the cool stuff and the crazy stuff that I've seen yeah. uh, in various exorcism sessions and all that. This is a book of solutions. Excellent. Wa- walking the reader down um, twelve steps, twelve lessons on uncovering areas of your life that 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 the enemy might be holding in awesome. and unforgiveness. Uh, um, um, you know, uh, vice and, and, and things that you're just other areas that you're blocking in areas. You don't, where you lack devotion, right, right understanding of the, the Virgin Mary. Ultimately it's a, re- we're seeing this, you and I, each in our own, uh, our own battlefield where we're fighting the, the, the liberation comes only by full throated, full throttled living of the Roman Catholic faith, okay. proclaiming that to its fullness and, and so I try to do that in this book, and I've had a lot of positive feedback so far on it. Well, you can get that book by calling 877-526-2151 or go online to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. I want to welcome all the new people. I was at two big events over the weekend with Bishop Strickland. First, we had 1,000 people out in Riverside at the convention center with the good bishop and Father Don Calloway and Father Frank Pavone. It was a packed house. And uh, everybody there, I asked them to download the app right in front of uh, the crowd. So all you new listeners, uh, you're, put your seatbelt on because you're in for a treat every single day with VMPR's programming. Also, I want to uh, also thank the folks at the Right to Life Center, Southern California. Bishop Strickland went out to Pasadena the same day, and I met him out there with Jim Caviso. Had about 1,000 people for a dinner to raise money for pro-life, and I was happy to do that also with the good bishop. And I got to say, Jim Caviso is an amazing uh, actor, an amazing Catholic, and uh, I, uh, I'm working on, I want you to pray for this, that Jim Caviso and Bishop Strickland will do a radio show here at v- VMPR. That's, that's the game plan. And I can imagine our listeners wanting to hear Jim Caviso and Bishop Strickland, two warriors for the, for the church, on the air. So that's something we're working on as we speak. 
Dan, uh, today we're going to be talking about we, uh, the Eucharist, the source and summit of the Christian life. And we have a father. And, you know, in your work that you've been doing on spiritual warfare, you guys talk a lot about the, the fatherhood, uh, the father as a spiritual leader in the family. And this father did something I think was the right thing to do. Um, he was traveling on vacation with his eight kids, and he was in Idaho, in Boise, and he went to go to Holy Communion, and his custom that he has an option, as the church teaches, he knelt down to receive on the tongue. And the priest there said, no, we don't do that here. Well, you know, that's contrary to what the church teaches. The Vatican's already made clearly that this is an abuse of a, a local ordinary or a local priest. And uh, they happened to run into the wrong guy, Dan, because he's an attorney, and he's a Catholic evangelist. Wrong dude. So he wrote letters to the bishop and basically saying, can you show me the documentation where what happened to me is, is uh, what should have happened? And he didn't. And so he showed him why his rights were being stepped on. And, of course, the bishop, Peter Christensen, we need to pray for him because he said, yeah, yeah, I think you're right about that. But you know what? Conformity. You know, we want to all be conformed to being the same. Uh, it's interesting because, Dan, I hear that a lot, but when it comes to doctrine, they all seem to have, well, that's your interpretation, that's my interpretation. But when it comes to liturgical abuses, they seem to think that, you know, we can continue to have liturgical abuse as long as we are consistent. And so I pray that this bishop would repent of that and give a people an opportunity to receive on the tongue, kneeling down, because that's part of that Eucharistic revival that the bishops are calling for, a greater reverence. How can we have a greater reverence, Dan, uh, if we don't, if we do not allow the faithful to express their love for the Eucharist? Your thoughts? No, I, I agree. I, that was a fascinating article. It's uh, kind of like the movie Tremors <laughs> when when they when the Tremors came into the basement yeah. and they're and they're, they're, this gun this gun couple. Uh, they blast the, this tremor and they kill it. They keep throwing each other ammo and weapons. They, and they said, you picked the wrong dang basement, didn't you? <laughs> he picked the wrong guy to deny communion to. Yeah, he did. And, and, and when I travel, I, I do have that same, I always pray and ask my guardian angel that there not be a scene that I, that I yeah. won't be denied. But you also have to have a detachment and be willing That's right. to have the priest deny you and, and, um, and you suffer through with the church and you make a spiritual communion because of your conviction. I agree. Feel and to receive on the tongue. It's reparation. We're going to get more into <coughs> that. We just, that's just an introduction to the talk, to the article. Also, we're going to be talking to a good friend of mine, Father Joe Ilo, a priest for the Archdiocese of San Francisco, uh, wrote an open letter to Pope Francis. Wait till you hear this. And, uh, it's a fascinating read because uh, this priest is on fire for the faith, and he's dealing with, you know, I mean, he's in Sodom and Gomorrah in San Francisco, and he needs help to promote the faith, and he doesn't seem to be getting it from Rome. So let me, that's, let me back up one thing on the last one too, Terry. I think it, it, another movie line comes to mind, and I've watched too many movies in my in my previous days. <laughs> it's Inigo Montoya. You keep using that word. I don't think that word means what you think it means. So what we have among among modern liturgists, remember yep. the old joke, I told this joke to a religious sister once who worked at the diocese. It's <laughs> the difference between a liturgist yeah. and a terrorist. And the answer is sometimes you can negotiate with a terrorist. Yeah, I use that one all the time. I, I made her cry. She got mad and walked out. I bet. I'm like, all right, I guess you guess you can't joke with a yeah. liberal either. Exactly. So, I've noticed that. 
The word liturgeo, or where we get the, you hear the word work, erg, right? The Greek word for work. Yeah. The word liturgy means, the liturgy is a work on behalf of the people. So in ancient Greece, this, the, 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 the history of this word, that means that a, that a benefactor would do a great work on behalf of the state. They would either sponsor a ship because they were a naval force, the Greek, the ancient Greeks, obviously being a, being a peninsula. Right. So you would sponsor a ship. You would you would fund it. You would arm it. You would you would you know that would be your work. Or you would host uh, some civic uh, uh, party or civic games for, for the local pantheon for the gods or whatever. But this was a work that you did on behalf of the people. That meaning carries in. There's a reason we use the word liturgy, right? It's work on behalf of the people that the priest offers in persona Christe offers God to God on behalf of the people. We participate interiorly first. Cardinal Ratzinger was was very clear on this, oh, that yeah. active participation in the Holy Liturgy is first an interior participation. But what we have is you have you have certain certain terrorists slash liturgists that say, no, it's the work of the people. That's what it is. It's the work of the people. No, it's the work on behalf of the people. This is someone who doesn't know their their history. And the 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 the, the holy sacrifice of the mass is is done with or without without doesn't need us. God doesn't need us. <laughs> exactly. Right? So it's work on behalf of us. And we offer all of our sufferings, all of our reparation, all in union with this, the sacrifice of Christ. And the priest offers himself as persona Christi, priest, victim, altar of sacrifice. This is the essence of liturgy. Amen. It's sacrifice. It isn't about the community. So once you say it's not the work of the people. I mean, on behalf of the people, it's the work of the people. Then we must have some sort of conformity being forced. I remember the days, and you do too, oh, yeah. where the ushers walked up and down the aisles and made people stand. They weren't allowed to kneel right. uh, for certain parts. I mean, it's the absurdity because they're trying to force an, an external reality that wasn't there. Wow. So, and it all comes down to that definition. If it's if it's the work of the people, we better be in lockstep. You nailed with it. Progressive uh, liturgy destroyers are trying to do. You nailed it. And the book I would recommend is the Spirit of the Liturgy. He's referring to Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, published by Ignatius Press. Everybody should have that book because it gives you a real good grasp of what the liturgy is. Dan just did a terrific job explaining the mass. I mean, folks, are we worshiping man or are we worshiping God? Here's what here's what Ratzinger says yes. in the spirit of the liturgy. Yeah. He says, whenever whenever man, not God, right? He talks about applause and his other things. I yeah, said, so then you know they're not getting it right. He said, whenever whenever man, not God, is the center of our liturgy. Yes. He says, what we have is a dance about the golden calf and the yeah, festival but... of self-affirmation. Look at us. Look at us. We are the church. We are church. We are people of God. Let's celebrate Eucharist together. <laughs> we become the dance. We dance about the calf in, in the festival of self-affirmation. That's a powerful statement that from us. From this generation is probably most the greatest mind of this generation. Oh, he, he goes in history for one of the great biblical scholars of the church. Wow. When we come back, we're going to get into uh, the gospel. We're going to take a quote from the uh, full scene ahead. And then we'll get into more about this uh, Holy Holy Eucharist in the Mass, because what Dan just talked about, everybody needs to understand. We're full. Stay with us, family. We'll be back in a moment. You got me fired up, Jerry. I just reached up my football. I'm fired up too, Dan. This is our first show together. It better not be the last one, bro. And you know what I pulled out? Joseph Ratzinger, Collected Works Theology on the Liturgy. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, anything. Ratzinger was my favorite, man. I mean, I, I just think he's fantastic. Pope Benedict XVI. Before we get into these, the liturgy, I just want to uh, say how appreciative I am of Dan willing to step in when Jess is in the Holy Land. We don't know when Jess will be back on the air, but uh, we're, he's filling in for Jess, and I thank him publicly again for that. Dan, before we get into the uh, sacrifice of the Mass, and get some, because the article really alludes to us that we need to understand the Mass like this Father does. So before we get into that, I want to make sure we uh, get the Gospel in for today. Okay. And before we get the Gospel, I just want to, we have a file, because need-to-know file that Jesse and I give. <clears throat> and this is why we need to be praying <clears throat> so hard for the Church and for our culture. Good-to-know file. This is how mixed up we are. This is why good catechesis is so important for all of us to know. As a new male Miss Portugal becomes the second trans finalist for the Miss Universal Beauty Contest. I mean, do you see how mixed up the world is, folks? They're doing these things, and we're just saying, oh, yeah. So this is why if you're not a high-information Catholic, you're going to lose it to the culture. You need to know male and female. You need to know your book of Genesis. You need to know your apologetics because we're going after the world is going after us and who's going to influence who? Is the church going to influence the world or is the world going to influence the church? Dan, I have to say right now, uh, objectively looking at the situation, the world has been infiltrating the church in a very sad way. But mom and dad, holiness, holiness is the answer. We can defend our family in spite of bad example in our church. So, Dan, I'd like to ask you, I'll read the gospel, and I want to get your take because I think this gospel fits right into your book, actually. I really mean this because of the prayers, and, and, and we need that for our families. So I'm going to read Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. Uh, and we always say we have soul food here at the Terry and Jesse Show. This is soul food. So a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus entered a village where a woman whose name was Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary who sat beside the Lord at his feet listening to him speak. Martha, burdened with much serving, came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. The Lord said to her in reply, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Dan, I'm, I'm throwing you a big one right now. This, this short gospel has a lot to say. This, this gospel is packed in. And you see that the spiritual life is is a blend between the active and the That's contemplative. Right. And since the earliest of times, this this has been a paradigm for the active life and the contemplative life. And in the Franciscan tradition, and particularly, they talk about this as Martha and Mary, mm -hmm. that Mary, cho though, chooses the better part. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about, this is how it ties into liturgy, what we're talking about. We become a hyperactive society. We become a functional church where, where everything is just being reduced to functionalism. There's no more worship of the other. There's no more entering into the cosmos, into 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 the the cosmic realm of angelic worship. Yeah. We've brought God down to our level. We've done that. We've become this dance about the golden calf, right? Of self-affirmation, rather than doing the other part. 
right? That we sit at the feet of Jesus. And, and in the Catholic tradition, the sitting at the, at the feet, by the way, that's the posture of discipleship. This is the disciple sitting at the feet of her master. And so the, the, the soul of the apostolate is prayer. How many Catholics do we know that do not pray? They never sit at the feet of Jesus. They never spend any time in Lexio Divina, in quiet prayer over the scriptures. Yes. This is why part of the in, the, in the in the manual, in the book that I wrote, I try to walk people through how to do vocal prayer and then mental prayer, how to sit at the feet of Jesus and take in the truth of the Roman Catholic faith. Yes, we need Martha. And you and I are Martha in most of our lives. Most of what we're doing is Martha-like work. But the only way that I can ever do anything like Martha and serve Jesus is if I sit at his feet. This is the greater part that 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 uh, um, Jesus says. She has chosen the better part. It's great to serve Jesus. We need to serve Jesus. But we need to start to fuel all that we do through a very rich prayer life. Here's what St. Catherine of Siena says. Every, every Christian should pray at least 30 minutes a day, at least. She said, unless you're busy, she <laughs> says, and then you should pray for an hour. This is a this is a profound statement from from a doctor yeah. of the church, right? She's a she's a deep deep uh, mystic saying that we and there's I don't know a single person in my life that's not busy. So everybody needs to to find that time to sit at the feet of the Lord and not reduce. And here's the thing, we've reduced liturgy to action. That's right. And now we've reduced the spiritual life to action. Well, and we've lost the sense of communion with God in prayer. And we even belittle how many, how often I, I teach Carmelite nuns every Thursday. Mm -hmm. How many times do worldly minded, low information Catholics say, oh, why are they wasting their time sitting there praying all day? Why aren't they working in hospitals? Why aren't they teaching children? Right. Unbelievable. They're chosen the better part. And if you think you've got an easy life for the contemplative life, Teresa of Avila will tell you it is a cross. Oh yeah, it is a cross that people bear to 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 enter into the stream of contemplation and a deeper prayer. It comes at a price, and that price is the cross. And if I could recommend another book, I'm just book. It's put it by. It's printed by Tan Books, Soul of the Apostolate. This book I read in 1978 for the first time. I've mentioned it to Dr. Scott Hahn when I met him 35 years ago when I recorded his conversion story. He told me, Terry. If there's one book I read every year, it's Soul of the Apostolate, because it talks about a profound spirituality that you need to have before you do any apostolic work. So what Dan was saying is spot on. And, and think too, Terry, too, is what we found today tell me, is tell me. we've had, and, and, in, and in the Catholic tradition, the yes. spiritual works of mercy yes. have always had a primacy over the corporate works of mercy. Of course, of course. But what we've become in many ways, yes. not, not to be critical, We've allowed many dioceses and many parishes just to act like an NGO, yes. that we just become a non-government organization that we're ext extension of the, of, the, of the corporal works of the body politic. But that is not true. The first, the primacy is always the, the spiritual works of mercy. <laughs> Without those, the corporal works of mercy are dead. Well, you're quoting Fulton Sheen. I'll give you the day and the time. August 1976, Eucharistic ah. Congress, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And he said this, we've got too many um, go-go's and not enough come-comes. <laughs> meaning that what you just said, we need to be contemplatives. We need to be praying before we do all these works that we are to do. Now, Dan, I want to bring the smartest guy into the room, and I consider as Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Let's bring him full Sheen ahead. And just a quick note, this Saturday, we're going to have a day with Fulton Sheen at our chapel. And check this out, Dan. We're going to have... 
the mitre of Fulton Sheen, the actual one he wore in our chapel, along with a cassock that he wore uh, prepping for Mass. And that'll be on display here at the Sacred Heart Chapel when we have the talks. And also, just a quick note, we're going to have a Catholic priest who was a Buddhist. He was in a communist country 70 years ago, 60 years ago, right? And uh, the Book of Life of Christ was brought into this communist country illegally. He read it when he was 14. He became a Christian, Catholic. And then he became a Catholic priest. He's offering Mass for us on Saturday here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. And he will tell his story in more detail of how Bishop Sheen has affected his life. And I know this priest for many years. He cannot preach a sermon without quoting Fulton Sheen because Sheen introduced him to the person of Jesus Christ. So that's going to be at the conference this Saturday, uh, the 15th of uh, October. You're welcome to come. If you want to uh, come, just call 877-526-2151 or go online to, to uh, virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Well, now, Bishop Sheen sometimes has another saint with him in heaven. This time, we're going to have Sister St. Faustina. And here's Bishop Sheen and St. Faustina. She told Bishop Sheen this in difficult moments. And this is applying to us right now. Dan, Terry, everyone listening, listen up. St. Faustina said, in difficult moments, I will, these are difficult moments we're living in. I think everybody agrees. I will fix my gaze upon the silent heart of Jesus stretched on the cross. And from the exploding flames of his merciful heart, will flow down upon me the power and strength to keep fighting. So if anybody's out there saying, I'm tired, the church isn't doing this, uh, and this is bad, this is going on in Rome, the Senate, and it's, uh, it's going to ruin everything. Folks, folks, stay focused on Jesus. Just remember this, this crucifix that I have, that's who we worship, okay? Remember and remind yourself, holiness is the answer to all the problems in the church. Your thoughts, Dan? No, spot on, Terry. I, I think the, 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 the more I engage and the more I see people all parts of the country, even in, in going over and, and working with, with yeah. teams and people in Germany, yeah. what the world needs to work on right now, the Catholic world, is hope. Yeah. And God's 100% in charge. God's going to take care of this. We stay in our lane. We stay in our lane. Remember, we made this mistake. We're talking about liturgy. The Second Vatican Council teaches this, which is consistent with the tradition of the church, that the lay charism is secular in nature, meaning we go to the church, we we get the spiritual, we go like Mar Mary, we sit at the feet of Jesus, and then we become Martha, and we go into the world, whether you're a school teacher or, or a college professor or you you're, you're, you're run a radio station like you do, whether, whether you work in business, you're a lawyer, you're, you're, whatever you do, you bring Jesus. That's right. But, but the foundation is we, we bring the gospel into culture, into society. But what happens mostly when a, when a guy or a woman has a conversion, suddenly we think we have to go be, do all these things. I have to be a Eucharistic minister. I have to be a lector. I have to do all these liturgical functions. The priest is oriented. Everything the priest does is oriented towards the sacrifice, the holy sacrifice of the mass, the so source and summit. What we do is we receive from the table of the Lord, the body of the Lord, but then we take the gospel. Ita misa es. Go. It, this is the mission. This is your mission. As the priest was to Christ in persona Christi, we become little Christ into the world, and we bring the gospel of the bread of truth into, the, into our culture to the best we can. And don't throw tomatoes at us and they'll hate us, but so be it. 
Dan, you're oh. fi- you're firing me up. I am jumping in, going, <laughs> praise God. And you know the language, Jesse here. Yeah, the, the language. Yeah, you, you're just like Jesse. Get a little work here. You he know? does it to me all the time. And and I want to just say the 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 Vatican Council's language is we're as lay people we're supposed to sanctify the temporal order. Exactly. And that's what you just explained. So if you're a, a, a trash man, you're going to sanctify the temporal order by doing your duty well, picking up the trash. I, I remember my dad telling me. Now, my dad was original, the original Gran Torino. And I remember <laughs> telling me as a young man, son, I don't care what you do. Yeah. If you become a trash man, yeah. I want you to be the best damn trash man. Exactly. In right. Right. I've heard another one. If you're going to have to be a bear, you might as well be a grizzly. Yeah. And we need to be grizzly bear trash man. Catholic trash men in the world. Whatever we do, whatever yeah, God was asking, right. this is what we do as a Roman Catholic. And it's, it's not like we're Catholics that happen to do this job. We're yeah. Roman Catholics through and through, all the way into the culture. As Bishop Sheen says, every action is like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. Stay with us, family. We're talking about the source and summit of the Christian faith, the Holy Eucharist with Dan Snyder, Terry Barber. Wow. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Dan Snyder filling in for Jesse while he's on his way back from the Holy Land. If you just tuned in, uh, Jesse has communicated with us that he's on the way back home with his lovely wife, Anita. Should be back tonight. And uh, I doubt if he'll be back on the air because he's got a, a heck of a travel uh, with, with um, uh, doing a flight from Europe. And I mean, he's all over the world coming back. So it might not happen. But Dan said he would fill in. So, Dan, thank you for doing that. Dan, I just want to talk a little bit more about the Mass before we get to the other topic. I like to be able to say that every time we go to Mass, we're at that one eternal sacrifice, uh, that we're present at that sacrifice. And I wonder if how many Catholics really understand that that is what happens when they say, I'm bored at Mass. I don't think they understand what is going on. And I just want to add, and I'm going to throw it to you, but I want to talk about the vertical and the uh, I mean, the vertical and the horizontal aspects of the Mass. And the reason I bring this up to you, because you've been nailing it on the vertical aspect, and I think we need to bring that back more into the Mass, because it, it seems to me that uh, we can get mixed up and start thinking that we're worshiping the priest or, or maybe even the band that's playing at Mass and forgetting why we're there. And I think, uh, from my experience, uh, 44 years of doing what I'm doing, I got the impression that most Catholics are low information when it comes to what really takes place on the altar. And that's why I want to take this opportunity to have you do a little bit more catechesis on what is the Mass? The, the Mass, according to the Council of Trent, is, a, is an unbloody yeah. representation of Calvary. There you go. It's not, it's not the celebration of community. Nope. It's not the the, the, the the centering around the community meal. Um, there are aspects of community. Right. There are aspects of a meal, right? Right. Which, a Paschal meal, a Passover meal. But this is the new covenant. The mass is a participation in the sacrifice of Calvary. We've lost that. It's a yeah. cosmic liturgy. I, I want to read this from, if you don't mind, I'm going to go do, back. I do, I do. Let's get to We can't talk anything better than the Eucharist. Go for it. Right. So, so here's what... 
You talk about adoration. I've heard this as well. If you want private adoration, go to the adoration chapel. The mass is a communal prayer, mm-hmm. and the proper posture is standing. This is what I've heard. Oh, really? I, I met I met this. I had a meeting with an, one of the archbishops, uh, auxiliary bishops in Germany, in the city there. And we, I walk into the room, and I could tell he's sizing me up, and I'm kind of sizing him up. It's almost <laughs> like two fighters walking into the ring. Oh, we're gonna do this. And so I just throw out Ratzinger. I just say, you know, Excellency, I'm a huge fan of Cardinal Ratzinger. I think his theology is, will change okay. the church at the time bomb. Yep. If the church would ever go back and study it. He put his guard down and we immediately started talking. We spent an hour just talking about Ratzinger. But here, here's what it says. The Christian liturgy is a cosmic liturgy because it bends the knee before the crucified and exalted Lord. He is Here is the center of authentic culture, the culture of truth, the humble gesture by which we fall at the feet of the Lord inserts us into the true path, the true path of the life of the cosmos, that we're entering into the cosmic liturgy. And here, and then he talks about the importance of kneeling. Yes. That allegedly, according to Eusebius, uh, church historian, James, the brother of the Lord, the first bishop of Jerusalem, the head of the Jerusalem, the Jewish church, the Jewish Christian church, had calluses on his knees because he was always worshiping God and begging forgiveness for his people. Talking about doing reparation. There's a story, he says, that comes from the saying of the Desert Fathers, oh, yeah. according to which the devil was compelled by God to show himself to a certain Abba Apollo. He looked black and ugly with frighteningly thin limb, limbs, but most strikingly, he had no knees. Exactly. The inability to kneel is seen as the very essence of the diabolical. Yep. This is this is, this is is the Pope Benedict writing, but he was still I Cardinal Bath. Yes. He said, in terms of kneeling, mm-hmm. he uses the Greek, the Taistagonata, the, it's unknown in classical Greek. He said this is a specifically Christian word to, to bend the knee. With that remark, uh, our reflections come full circle. It may well be note that well be that kneeling is alien to modern culture insofar it is culture. For this culture has turned away from the faith and no longer knows the one before whom kneeling is the right, indeed, the intrinsically necessary gesture. The man who learns to believe learns also to kneel. God bless this this father because he knew this instinctively. The man who learns to believe learns also to kneel. And a faith or a liturgy no longer familiar with kneeling would be sick at the core. Well, well said. uh, Ratzinger nailed it again. Again, I I would encourage you to get, if you didn't get that title, The Spirit of the Liturgy from Ignatius Press uh, would be a great book to read on the Holy Eucharist. Yeah, it's I, going to make you mad. If you read this book, it'll make you mad. Oh, yeah, but you know what it also makes you mad? I mean, I'll make you like, what happened to our liturgy? What well, happened? Well, well the, this is, Dan, you nailed it again on that. That's exactly right. When you read the Vatican II document on the liturgy, and you see the, the document says, and the priest turns around and says, the Lord be with you, what is that indicating? Ad orientum. He's not facing right. you. There's so much that church documents say that haven't been implemented. I'm going to give an example. And this is my... I told you off the air, and you may—I think I made you laugh. We're we're we're, we're going to shift gears now into a priest friend of mine, who wrote an open letter to the Holy Father about this issue of homosexuality, about being clear about what the Church teaches. He's in San Francisco; it's affecting him poorly. Well, when I was a young man, uh, Doctor Barber, my brother's son, um, he was in Little League, and we knew the real we knew the real the uh, the rules of the Little League book really clear and we had a, we had it there and every time the umpire would break those rules we'd say time out umpire time out and we'd bring the rule book out and say you know sir excuse me but 
this is what the rule book says. Could you please implement the ruling? And he got upset at us. And finally, he said, if you bring that rule book out one more time, I'm going to throw you out of the game. And sometimes I see the analogy in the church today. Bishop Joseph Strickland just came out with another letter, pastoral letter, on, on uh, the issue uh, regarding salvation, universalism. And I keep thinking, they're all getting on his case. For what? For bringing the catechism of the Catholic Church out and teaching the deposit of faith. And they're doing the same thing that umpire said. We're going to kick you out of the church if you stop bringing that catechism out. And I think that this is what we're up against. And now we can either get mad we can, but, or we can pray and make reparation. And out of charity, Dan, charity, share the gospel with those people and implement Canon 212 that says, let our pastors know our needs. So this is a priest. I'm going to set the stage, Dan, and then you can jump in on this. Father Joe Ilo, I knew when he was 19 years old. He was a low-information Catholic. He came to Southern California for the Knights of the Immaculata Summer Program which I worked on. And I was a young man, too, at that time. It was 1979 or 80, one of those two. And when we brought him in from the airport, we were having Eucharistic adoration. And this young man from Canada didn't know what Eucharistic adoration is. So we're telling him while we're going to the, from the airport to the, uh, f- for the facility where we're having the retreat uh, what it is and telling him about the real presence. He knew nothing about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. So he loved it. He ended up consecrating himself to the Blessed Mother, St. Maximilian Colby, and uh, ended up becoming a Catholic priest and now is in San Francisco uh, as a pastor. So here's a man now, a defender of the faith. Why? Because he fell in love with the person of Jesus Christ. I keep saying that, Dan, that that is the key in evangelization. It's not you or me. It's Jesus Christ. When they have that relationship with him, nothing can get in the way of that. Okay, so here's what happened. He wrote this letter to the Holy Father saying, Holy Father, with all due respect, you're the Holy Father, I love you, but when you promote homosexuality, you hurt me in my parish. When you do, when you do not speak clearly, you make priestly tasks very different, difficult. So basically, he says, My Papa Francisco, I must tell you, again, you're making my life difficult. I'm writing in the spirit of Parousia, a biblical word you have used several times to encourage us to speak freely and boldly without fear of disagreement. The priest said, please receive my following words, not from Rome, but you know, from us out here, in your sheep, the sheep, as a simple parish priest. Now, Dan, you read the article. I think Father Ilo is humble enough to say, Holy Father, I'm just coming to you and saying ambiguity breeds discontent. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I remember years ago sitting in line at confession, mm-hmm. and um, there was a, a woman there with her son, little boy, you know, and and she was like, "Do your examination of conscience." He didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Well, think about your sins, and and she she said, "I heard the boy say, I remember I made Daddy yell at me, right?" And it just broke my heart because you see our sins when our, our this boy internalized his father's uh, unholy use of anger. Yeah. And it really broke my heart. But I, t- I guarantee you, five years later, that yes. boy would sit down to that father and say, Dad, Dad, you've got to work on your anger. Dad, you're going to drive away our, my brother and sister from this. You're, you're, you're drinking is too much. Exactly. You're being mean to mom. If you t- and then that boy gets to be 20 years old. You touch, you touch my mother again, Dad, I'm going to break your neck. You see, 
And so at some point, the children have the obligation yes. to speak Canon 212, to speak to their fathers. Yep. If we're in error, our children need to, 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 to be able to do that and to correct us yes. at times, right? And, and, and as parents, it's very healing for us as it parents is, to go to your children and say, I apologize. I wasn't a perfect father. I made this mistake. So he's just coming to the Holy Father as a spiritual son, That's asking for clarity and, and pointing out areas that he thinks are making better, that, that, that there's errors being made in, in, in the church right now. There's dangers. He's pointing out dangers to his father. And, Dad, if you keep doing this, you're going to hurt this family. Yes, and that's what we come back from the break. We'll give examples. And this is why we need to be praying for the Pope and all the uh, leaders of our church that they will stick to the deposit of faith. And you think about this, Dan, every single Catholic priest, every bishop, every pope has made a promise. You made a promise to your wife as a married man. So did I. I have to keep it. A promise they made on the altar before God and the people was that they would pass on the deposit of faith. Okay? That's a promise. And what Father Joe Ilo is doing, in addition to what you just said, he's asking the Holy Father, he's asking the church to keep to those promises we made at the altar, which is passing on the deposit of faith. For example, he has a parishioner, a woman in his parish, who's having issues with uh, knowing that she's either a man or a woman, or she's not quite what she is, but she's quoting the Holy Father. And when we come back, we'll talk about this, how confusing she is because she says, well, the Pope said it's, you can bless you know, homosexual unions. So why would that be wrong for me to say that I want to marry a woman. I'm a woman, but, you know, what's the difference? So this is making it difficult for not only Father Joilo, for many of us. That's my prayer, prayer of reparation. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Dan Schneider filling in for Jess Romero. Dan, I'm enjoying this show. I feel like I'm at Denny's with you with a cup of coffee. And we're talking about uh, issues that are incredibly important. The Holy Eucharist. Those who just tuned in, listen to it on the podcast, you'll hear that there's some great stuff on that. I, I'm getting lots of texts from people right now telling us they're enjoying the show. So thank you for that. And... Um, I wanted just to mention Father Joe Ilo, parish priest in San Francisco, wrote an open letter to the Holy Father, and he talks about a female student from his parish, a Jesuit-owned university. She married another woman, according to United States law. She later surgically removed her breasts and uterus to appear like a man. Uh, she hates her mother for raising her Catholic, and her mother grieves the loss of her daughter and grandchildren. Of course she would. Now, the young woman told Father Joe Ilo that she justifies all this and points to Pope Francis. She said, she says, you permit blessings for homosexual unions in Germany and that you favor priests and cardinals who promote homosexual relations. She knows that you have appointed a European cardinal who promotes homosexual unions to lead the Senate. This woman's high information about what the church is teaching is, you know, going on. She says, Pope Francis has indeed allowed bishops and Germany and other countries to approve blessings for same-sex unions without penalty and refuse to stop the German bishops. And so the father says, Father, you're my spiritual father. Please know that you're hurting me and hurting my parish. Father Ilo charged, imploring him, just teach the gospel of Jesus Christ clearly in these times of great confusion. 
and he says, we need you to teach the simple truths of the first book of the Bible and that God made male and female, and for this reason, a man clings to his wife and the two become one flesh. He concluded, if you do not teach this clearly, we parish priests cannot evangelize our people well and all of our people suffer. I think he's doing this with love and devotion from what I can tell, Dan. Your thoughts? Absolutely. He wasn't critical at all. Oh. He really was reaching out to him as a, as a son to a father, yeah. a spiritual father. And I, and I respect him. That takes a lot of guts to do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and today's cancel culture. What we're seeing is the modernist um, in the church and outside of the church uh, are losing. Uh, modernism, Pius X calls the summation of all heresies. It has several marks. It's anti it's, it's anti authority. We see this in the in the in this anarchist uh, Antifa movements. It's anti authority. It's anti supernatural It's anti uh, um, um, it denies the, the, the reality of sin and denies the reality of the effect of the fall and, and original sin as well as personal That's sin. Right. That's right. So we're seeing this today, this denial of sin, the denial of the effect of the fall um, uh, uh, with, with some overarching uh, idea of, of we have to be pastoral, we have to be loving. Of course, we've got to be pastoral and loving. But at the same time, Jesus, the rich young man that came to Jesus, Jesus didn't say, I'll still give you my blessing. And I want you to think about changing your lifestyle. He says, if you wish to be perfect, you got to do this. That's right. Take what you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And so everybody has that. Everybody has that one thing. That's right. and, for, and for the person struggling with same-sex attraction, that is what Christ is saying. Give this away and come and follow me. This is the cross that you have to bear. There is a price to discipleship. Jesus didn't follow him home and beg him to join him. He's, after the, 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 the John 6, he said to those who left, those who, many, many left. Right. That day, he Jesus blew it that yeah. day, right? If you're Judas, you're thinking Jesus totally blew it today. We had this huge crowd, we had this massive following, and then you do this whole flesh and blood thing, and then you let everybody go, you let them walk away, and he says, "Or where are you going to go? Are you leaving also?" Right? So, so, uh, um, so, so I think the priest was was spot on and very courageous. I don't think the reader or listener understands what kind of courage it took for that for that young priest to do that. And I, and I applaud him for that. Absolutely. And I wanted to just mention, Father Bill Casey used to say this at family conferences years ago, the most merciless thing you can do to a person is let them wallow in their sin. So when you talk about pastoral sensitivity, I think that's baloney, Dan. I think that what that tells me is you don't love the person because what does St. Thomas say about love? Will the good of the other. Are you yeah. really willing to go to the other? Go ahead, Dan. I know you had to. Yeah, yeah, Thomas said also that we have the obligation to counsel. Absolutely. When you, see, when you see your brother in sin, that doesn't mean we go correcting everybody at the grocery store. But when you see your brother in sin, you have an obligation to counsel. He says, you're not, you're not bound if, if there is a, uh, if, if you know it's going to cause greater sin. Right. Or it's going to cause, or it's going to cause a hardening of the sin in the individual. You're right. no longer bound. But we're, we're bound to a certain degree to, to have a frank, again, in charity to be able to speak. Fulton Sheen was the best at this. He could he could slice you up into a hundred pieces and do it in a loving, charitable way because he was so sharp. And we have to be able to we have to be able to have these conversations with our our, our within the church and within the world about the truth. Because my point on modernism is they've lost the intellectual argument. That's right. And all that's left is is the cancel culture. That's what's left. If they don't like what your podcast is, they deplatform you. Yep. If they don't like you as a bishop or a priest, they'll deplatform you and and and, and make you and and and, and silence you. Yeah. Um, 
So we have to be able to have this mature conversation, um, have intellectual, true arguments and debates and discussions about these things in charity. And Dan, I'd like to wrap up the show about talking about your book, The Liberal Crystal Method, A Field Manual for Spiritual Combat, because much of what we talked about, Eucharist, the Mass, prayer, this is something that I think families are going to want to have as a resource to stay in their lane. Is that a fair statement? Yes, I, I, I bring in scripture. I bring in a lot of uh, some some of St. Thomas and Father Ripperger bring it down to a workable level. Yeah. Um, and and then I a, a lot of the supporting arguments with the and documentation from the lives and teachings of the saints um, to, again, reengage the tradition because we fight an ancient enemy and the ancient weapons are best. We all kind of realize instinctively that something really bad is happening. Oh, yeah. to the world. Look what just happened in, in, in Israel where Jesse was. Yep. Um, how do we fight back? we got to go back to the ancient weapons, prayer, yep. de- devotion to the Blessed Mother, true liturgy, true liturgy. Uh, the Battle of Lepanto, we, we, we celebrated that in the Feast of the Our Lady of the Rosary this week. The Battle of Lepanto, yeah. one, the, the rosary, praying the rosary as a church, worldwide praying the rosary. The king gets news of the victory of the battle, which was overwhelming, two to one odds that the Christians were overwhelmed. And the king, who was at prayer, it was the Feast of All Souls Day, he was kneeling at prayer when he got the news that the Christian fleet had won, the Holy League won. And he he immediately said, pray the Te Deum, have the choir sing the Te Deum. <laughs> we see rosary and liturgy. Exactly. This is how we're going to fight back. We've got to get Christian or Catholics to understand this. We fight back through prayer and liturgy. And Dan, the balance, I have a little prayer here I'm going to lead with us that gives that balance. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Almighty God, adorable Spirit, truth, light, and love, gift to the poor, comforter in the affliction, Enlighten our intellect, direct our will, move our soul. Be with us in our silence and speech, in our haste and leisure, in our company and our solitude. Grant that we may always listen to your voice, watch for your light, and follow your gracious inspirations. You, who separate truth and error, help us discern what is true. Disperse our illusions. Free us from our deceptive appearances and lead us to holiness. Unmask seductions, save us in temptations, be our understanding and wisdom. Help us discern your voice from others. Be your be your own our counsel and fortitude to perceive your suggestions and to do your holy will. With Father, Son, may you be adorned, loved by all heavens and earth. Through the Immaculate Conception. Amen. Amen. Dan, I want people to pick up your book. You get it signed here. It's called The Liberal Crystal Method, A Field Manual for Spiritual Combat, Dan Snyder, forward by Father Chad Ripperker. $100 donation to help Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call us at 877-526-2151. Dan, just to summarize again this issue of the Eucharist, because we're calling this show the Eucharist, the source and summit of the Christian life. What would you like to leave our listeners with? Something inspirational about the Holy Eucharist. Yeah, this is a quote from St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. I put this in the book. Behold this heart, which has so loved men that it spared nothing, even to exhausting and consuming itself in order to testify to its love. In return, I have received from the greater part only in gratitude, by their irreverence and their sacrilege, by their coldness and contempt, they have for me in this sacrament of love. 
return to the Lord, make a Eucharistic, make some Eucharistic touch, be a beloved disciple. There's a reason John the Apostle didn't call himself the beloved disciple, because he wants he's an un, he's unnamed in the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. He wants us to be identify ourselves with perfect discipleship, mm-hmm. which begins with placing our head at the heart of Jesus, listening to him in prayer and contemplation, and then going out into the world, standing at the foot of the cross, taking the Virgin Mary into our homes. This is con- con- contemplating the Eucharistic face of Jesus. When you go there, do you see, look at his, his, his baby flesh, his, how cute his pure flesh was, maybe the wounded flesh of Christ. You know, find somewhere, the, 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 find and, and contemplate on the beauty, give thanks to him. Pray and spend time for the Blessed Sacrament. This is how we're going to win this spiritual battle. Overwhelmingly outnumbered, just like at Lepanto, it's going to be through Eucharistic adoration and prayer. Amen. And remember, Bishop Sheen was a great promoter of the Daily Holy Hour, not just for priests and religious, but for lay people to survive and to promote the faith. And again, being in the presence of Christ in the Eucharist is an opportunity to meet the person of Jesus Christ. His body, blood, soul, and divinity is present in that tabernacle. I'm blessed because we have a, our chapel here. And I would encourage our listeners to find a church. And if you have to ask Father to open the church for you to make your visits or find an adoration chapel, I've heard many people tell me that that's what really turned them around on their lukewarmness by spending time before our Eucharistic King. So I want to encourage you to do that. Dan, I want to ask you one last question that I ask Jesse every single day when we're on the air, and that is, what state, brother, should we be living in? The most important state in this union is the state of grace. (laughs) I love it. state that we need to be registered voters in. That's the most important place. We vote with our holiness. This is how we're going to be. So live in the state of grace, most importantly. Absolutely. And remember this, folks. Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Yeah, it's been talking about reparation. That's what I'm talking about. Can we offer up some sacrifice today for Holy Mother of the Church, for our bishop, for our priest, for the Holy Father, for anyone? Because, as I said earlier, every action is like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. So in other words, your sacrifices today unite them with the sufferings of Christ crucified. Where do you find that? In the Mass. So unite your sufferings with every Catholic Mass. Unite those, give graces for people to say yes to Christ. And I just want to thank you again, Dan, for joining us here. Tomorrow I hope to have you back on, unless Jesse tells me he's back, ready, willing, and able. I know, he's going to just tell him you're thinking about calling the Terry and Dan show. He'll there be you back. go. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> Folks, up, up, up next we have, what is today? Tuesday, the Bishop Strickland Hour. America's Bishop. Stay with us. I remember I recorded it last week. It's a great show. If you can't get it on your station, go to bmpr.org and download our app. God love you. <laughs>